Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to interview medium, author, and mediumship mentor, Sharon Farber, who will be speaking to us today from Barkhamstead, Connecticut. Sharon graduated with honors from the University of, Mass- of Massachusetts in Amherst in 1983 with a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. She has been a massage therapist since 1989, and she is also a Reiki master and a reflexologist. Sharon has studied mediumship at the famous Arthur Finley College in England, as well as with renowned US, UK, and Canadian mediums. She's the owner of a spiritual center in Pine Meadow, Connecticut called Dragonfly Healing Arts and the author of an easy to use, empowering book titled, Choosing to be a Medium, Experience and Share the Healing Wonder of Spirit Communication, in which she shares her amazing story of becoming a medium through study, not birthright, and reveals how each of us can also become a medium. And Sharon is also an award-winning artist. Her specialty has been realistic nature and wildlife landscapes. And she is now also creating spiritual paintings that are filled with vibrant passion, light, and healing. I have many questions for Sharon about her book and much more. But first, we need to take a quick minute to show some love to our sponsors. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, Sharon. A warm welcome to Grief and Rebirth podcast. Hi, Irene. Irene. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such a pleasure to have you here, really. And I hope all of you are watching this through YouTube. She's got the most beautiful necklace on and such a beautiful jacket. I'm a fashionista. I always notice those pretty things. (laughs) So let's begin our interview with this question. With a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology, what prompted you to turn to massage, energy healing, and later mediumship as a vocation? I actually used my degree in sociology and was working with elderly people. I was a Medicaid caseworker in Charlotte, North Carolina for social services. That wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs> and I was working in for the New Jersey Y camps and I was taking senior citizens to Florida in the winter, running their camp in Pennsylvania during the summer. And that was okay, but not, it didn't, I wasn't passionate about it. Somewhere along there, I gave a couple people what we called back rubs back then, and it helped so much. I became, I realized that massage therapy was a real profession, went into it, felt like I could do more working one-on-one with people, helping them relax, get out of pain and feel better. That led to the energy healing work. I went to a school called the Institute of Healing Arts and Sciences, worked with energy fields and people have heard of Reiki, but I've taken taken a lot of other extensive energy healing classes. Reiki is just the one people have heard of. So that was really wonderful. And I was passionate about that, but it's been 31 years. And then in the past 12 years, it's all my focus and energy has gone towards mediumship and the occasional massage, painting, and healing. I am, I am so admiring that you're also an artist. I think that's wonderful. I love art. Um, what inspired you to choose to be a medium without having had prior contact from the spirit world? And why did you choose to specialize in teaching mediumship? Okay. 
I was invited to a small group demonstration of mediumship by a friend who said, hey, do you want to go to this? And I said, sure, that sounds interesting. I had no compelling desire or passion about it. So I went to this small group. It was about 10 people. The medium was phenomenal. And she connected with a close friend of mine and my firstborn dog. And I got to see her give connections to everyone else there. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing. And this is real and it's healing. So what I did was invite her to come to my massage therapy office where I had an extra big room. So she came once a year for once a month for about a year and did small group readings. And I was the host. I got more connections. I saw more about how healing it was. And I just thought, wow, I wish I could do that. I want to do that. And the world needs more mediums. So I, I ignored all the people who said, oh, I didn't think you could learn to be a medium. I thought you had to be born that way. I had to ignore the hundreds of people said that. So I did what I, I read books, took classes, and that, that's a long story. I think you have that in another question. No, but it's all right. You just pro you proved them wrong because you, you because they said you have to, they believed you have to be born a medium and it's not something you can learn. And it sounds like it was something you could learn. I figured, well, I'll find out. So I immersed myself. I also talked to one of my mentors who, she was the one who taught the Institute of Healing Arts and Sciences, Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville. But anyway, I asked her about it and she said, if I didn't think you could do it, I would tell you. She told me to immerse myself in the subject, find a mentor and go for it. And that was on an after a Wednesday afternoon in August, about 11 years ago. It'll be coming up. And that night I got my first link. That night I was massaging a client who said I could practice with her. And I connected with her father, got some evidence, got, it was amazing. And after that, I was jumping up and down. Oh my gosh, I can do it. And she thought it was crazy because I was jumping up and down, not because I can. <laughs> as long as you were jumping up and down on her, right? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen you act like this. And like, I just did this thing. So then, so that's how I chose to become a medium. And then the book makes sense because no one helped, no one told me, if you want to learn to do this, you can. Here's, let me hold your hand. Let me mentor you. Let me take you through the steps. Oh, and here's a journal where you can document your whole journey. So what I did, well, the book came by two reasons. One, the practical thing is that I wrote a book that would have helped me immensely to help all the people who want help or the people who don't think that they can do it. I get emails all the time from, I found your book and I literally cried when I heard that somebody else chose to do it and became a medium. And it's not like you had to be that way. So I wrote a book that would have been amazing for me instead of me having to learn the hard way. And the other thing is I was completely guided and compelled to write the book by people in the spirit world. I don't go around saying, oh, spirit's telling me this, spirit's telling me that. But in the case of the book, it was not my idea. I had no aspiration to write a book. I'm not somebody who wrote things and I was actually resistant. Like what? I'm, I'm. I'm That's, that sounds like a, a story that I could share. Yes. Right. It was just like, and also it was almost embarrassing how early I was in my mediumship career that I was being guided to write a book. I would have been completely embarrassed if any of my teachers knew that, but they, they had it right. And they helped all along and they found me an agent and a publisher and Fantastic. everything else was magically because it was meant to be uh, falling into yes. place so that was the twofold on why i wrote the book and how i became a medium how did you get the messages you were supposed to write a book it just kind of popped into your head or in the morning while i was trying to sleep repeatedly three days in a row i'm not a morning person i work till two three in the morning do stuff and i sleep till I try to get my eight hours, so I'm not a morning person. Three mornings in a row at like six, seven, eight in the morning, thoughts, a book, outline, what I would write. And I'm like, what? On the third morning, I gave up and I said, okay. And I went up to the computer and I started writing an outline because 
otherwise all those thoughts the thoughts were felt like they'd never go away and I'd never get to sleep in the morning anymore so I wrote an outline that's fantastic though that's fantastic you said something in your book that mediumship is like music how do you liken mediumship to music okay well so people have this idea that if you're not born that way so if you're not three years old or 10 or 12 years old and seeing spirit people you're not a medium and you shouldn't bother being a medium or, or you might be able to learn it a little and you'll ever you'll never be very good well if you compare it to music people like mozart yes they're writing symphonies at five and some people have perfect pitch and they have this beautiful ability to be musical but that doesn't mean that the other people can't it doesn't mean that somebody can't spend hours practicing the piano and become good or and we don't tell our children in elementary school or now what's called middle in school oh if you're not in beautifully musically inclined don't bother instead you support them you buy them you get them a flute or a violin and you give them lessons and if you've ever been to an elementary school band it's horrendous but you don't say oh well you're not gifted don't bother you support people in their desire to learn how to create music and with mediumship some people have this weird idea that if it's not spontaneous and happen by itself don't bother you're not a medium whereas some people have it happen spontaneously and it just flows but they still need structure they still need ethics and mechanics some help would be helpful whereas other people can start at the beginning and learn how so that's how it's like music some people have an initial capacity and other people might have to work harder but it's also you're going to succeed based on your devotion your passion if it makes you if it brings you alive and if you want to do it and that passion and intensity and desire to do it can more than overcompensate the fact that someone else saw spirit people when they were six without asking for it they might like, have no interest yeah you're a wonderful role model for people who really want to do this and you're mentoring them through your book i think it's just marvelous um speaking of that what are some of the ways an aspiring medium can enhance his or her abilities to connect with spirit? And how is the process like changing stations on a radio? Give us a little of the, you know, technical. Okay, first the, the radio station thing, because that's quick and easy. You, we're here, spirit people are in the spirit world, which isn't a different location. It's more of a different energy, a different vibration. So they're around us. They can connect with us sometimes. They do their own thing. They're evolving, doing their own spiritual evolution. They're with their loved ones in spirit. So the radio analogy is that I use my intention to connect with them and they wanna connect with me. So we reach out for each other and then you fine tune mm. it. We don't summon them. They don't come because I made them come we want to, and it's just a matter of using intention is kind of like the dial on the radio. So use your intention, they use their intention, and we work together to connect. That's so that was the radio part. Right. What was the, what was the and, and one of the what are ways people can right. use their abilities to connect? I think go through exercises and things that you have in your book. Yes, but I, I think a beginner class is probably the best thing you can possibly do. The book is great and people do it, but the thing is you need people to work with. So the book has 65 exercises and it explains step by step. And there's a lot of reinsurance because I wrote reassurance. I wrote the book with a, and if I can do it, you can too attitude. But a class, for example, I teach a five hour online beginner class. Once the pandemic is over, I'll go back to teaching retreats, weekend retreats, two, three-day classes, travel around and do that. But not necessarily with me, a beginning class where you have a live teacher, you're on Zoom or whatever, but you can ask questions. They can go over the foundation where everything about 
spirit world and how to do it and the step-by-step -step mechanics and address people's fears and what if this happens and what if I have to be afraid of it. So a beginner class and a circle, people sit in circle in person on Zoom and it's a place to practice. So you're in a group led by somebody experienced and then you practice and practice and practice. You've got the group energy to support you. And the other thing is to give practice readings to other people. You didn't ask this, but so many people are telling me I'm having a hard time, I'm having a hard time. And I'm like, are you giving readings to other people? And they're like, no, people are trying to do this on their own and connect with their own people. And you can't get much validated evidence when you're working with your own people. Whereas a sitter is a person you give the reading to, somebody you don't know really well, not your close family or best friend. And I can help people with getting sitters. I know, you know, a thousand or so people who want readings. So you need to practice by giving readings to people you don't know. Tell them what to expect, how to respond, and then you give reading after reading after reading. Even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, move to 20, move to 30, and that's how you practice. I did 118 free practice readings to start. It's a great way to believe in yourself too, because as you get better and better at it and you're, you're hitting the mark, I'm sure it's very empowering and very, very exciting. There are different types of mediumship and people often ask the question of what's the difference between a soul and a spirit. Sharon, can you tell us about that? Sure, totally different questions. We'll go for the first one first. And the types I'll... of mediumship. Yes, evidential mediumship is the umbrella of giving mediumship where you validate that the medium is connecting with a specific loved one in spirit and you get evidence to do that. Also, well, anyway, evidence is really important. It's not like a horoscope, but under the umbrella of evidential mediumship, there is mental mediumship, which is what my book is all about, which I'm primarily doing at this time, which is the medium is present, coherent, able to speak with the sitter, and they give information in the third person about the spirit world. I have a man here, he's tall, he used to wear a uniform, he's a grandfather, he smokes a pipe, and I know he had eight cats and rode a bicycle. So you got your person there, you want specific evidence, not just tall, dark man here, do you understand? And then the person says, yes, I understand. And you have this conversation that is mental mediumship where you're giving information and the sitter is listening. Trance, it, trance mediumship is when the medium goes into a deeper state. They, it's a deeper altered state. They blend so closely with the spirit world that they let the spirit person speak through them. In the first person, their manner, inflection, and even body motion may change and they'll speak directly. If um, in very evidential and accurate trance, the person might even speak in a different language. Mm -hmm. And that is often, um, instead of being evidential mediumship, sometimes trance mediums are connecting with spirit guides, giving philosophy, uplifting information, but sometimes it's evidential because they have an actual loved one in spirit, spirit person that they're connecting with and the person speaking in the pers first person through them is giving them enough evidence so that the spirit person knows who they are, whom they are. Cool. And tell everyone the difference between a soul and a spirit. The way I explain it, and some people just use the terms the opposite. Very interchangeably, yeah. A lot of some people use them interchangeably. In my understanding, the soul is the part of us that may have hundreds of lives on the planet. It evolves. You come here, you have your life, you go back to the spirit world, evolve, choose another life. The spirit in my terminology, is the person whom you know in this lifetime, the friend or relative, acquaintance that you know, it's their personality, character, and memories of their interaction with you. So that spirit person is only a part of the soul. So when they go back, when they pass, physically pass, 
they can come through, they can incarnate into another life, and you can still connect with them as a medium through a medium or directly because it's only part of them. It's the personality, right. the person that you knew. So the spirit of Sharon and the spirit of Irene right now are, are connecting with each other. Yes. Right. And our master souls, our over souls are on the other side. Yes. Okay. And what is the role of spirit guides in each of our lives and how do they work with mediums? Well, some people have no knowledge or awareness of their spirit guides. And I think that they do take a much more active role with mediums. I'm not sure to the extent that mediums are aware of their spirit guides more because we work with them and we're aware of the spirit world as opposed to that we have a more active role with them. But we're definitely more aware of them. Some mediums have no connection with the spirit guide. I know a wonderful medium here in Connecticut who says she works directly with God and you know, source, no, uh, nothing about spirit guides. So not all mediums have any awareness, have an awareness with the spirit guide. And then I know mediums who have their team and they, they call this one that, you've got a gatekeeper, you've got the protector and they have them blind people up and tell them what to do, sometimes have them interpret. So, and they say things like the spirit guides help the spirit people also. So then there's people on that other side. Personally, I believe that we all, especially mediums, have spirit guides, but you don't have to see them. You don't have to have an interaction or talk to them or get their name. And that actually, I think that this idea that let your spirit guides teach you, meet your spirit guides is a little overrated. Because if I was waiting to meet my spirit guides and have them tell me to be a medium, I don't know if I would have ever gotten here. I had human teacher, uh, embodied teachers teach me to be a medium. I'm somebody who still has yet to have a concrete one-on-one -on -one interaction, like verbal thing with um, a spirit guide. Right. However, I've had several of them validated multiple times, many times through other mediums and psychics with the same information over and over. So I know that some of them, now I know them and I can feel recognize them and ask them for help. But this idea that you should know their name and hear them directly might make people frustrated. If they think that the first step is to meet their spirit guide before learning to do mediumship, they may never get to the mediumship. Got it. So here's the thing, with all the things going on in this world and all the people who have unfortunately passed with COVID and with the tragedies we've been witnessing, how soon is too soon to connect with a deceased loved one uh, in the spirit, you know, on the other side after someone passes? I understand. There is no too soon based on the spirit person. They go to the other side. There's no waiting period. There's no limbo land. They pass, they go to the other side. They can generally communicate with us almost immediately. But the embodied people left behind are often not ready. If somebody has a very close person, a spouse, parent, child, they may be in a state of raw grief and too needy and too desperate to be open to it because they're just too raw. People like that, some a relationship, they might need a few months to process their grief and before they're ready for a medium. Down and, a bit. But, but some of them go to a medium and get immediate help right away and it helps them with the raw grief. There's no rule. I've had, I just, as I told you earlier today, we had circle today where I had eight people for 90 minutes and we re they read for each other. And one woman connected with uh, an aunt for the student who was there. And after the 10 minute reading, he confirmed that she passed yesterday. And then a couple, 20, 30 minutes later, another person connected with the same aunt. She passed yesterday, came through twice today in a circle for her nephew. I've had- so She's a busy lady. 
She, yeah. didn't, she didn't miss a beat. <laughs> Very excited about, about him and connecting with him. So that can happen. And then there are people who are, you know, my mom passed three months ago and I haven't heard from her yet. And when my father passed, I was just, even though I'm a medium, I was desperate to hear from him through another medium. And it took months before somebody got him through. And since then, he's come through many times. And you can't, nobody has, there's, an, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to come through. If your loved one doesn't come through, doesn't mean they don't love you, they're not around you, or anything like that. Sometimes people come through easily, and often, sometimes they don't. And don't, we they don't, sort of match their, don't they sort of match their personalities in a way? I've heard that if people were reticent on this side, they often are reticent when they go to the other side. And if they're very lively and yip, up, 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 over here, that's going to, their personality yeah. is going to transfer over there and they're going to be real eager, like to let you know, here I am. Yes. They will, when they come through, they come through with their personalities, which can be outgoing and talkative or quiet, but the quiet ones are just as likely to come through. So even if they're quiet, they'll come through and you might say, I have someone and he seems a bit quiet. This is a man without, with few words, but I know that he has a big heart. So they're not less likely to come through, but the ones that are more quiet will come through more quietly right and just like in the real world perhaps they'll take a step back and let the lively ones go first and then they'll wait their turn something which would be in keeping with their personalities could you tell us Sharon about connecting with unborn children and also people who have passed by suicide do they still end up on the other side of course yes um unborn children and like kids who are miscarried and all yeah. different kinds of things yeah, they, born. Through. they have to come through with different evidence obviously they can't talk about their life and their personality and all that but what they generally do is come through with support and healing for their family for the parents and for maybe the siblings and their evidence usually has to do with their family and that they're bringing through love and they'll talk about the sibling that they, the sibling might still be aware of them and they might spend time together. So it's a different type of evidence, but it can be very healing for the parents who've had the loss. I can imagine, I mean, like people who have even, I've actually been at a gallery where there were three women who had all had miscarriages and those children came through. And what a, it was, oh my goodness, those women cried, it was such a relief. Yes, that can be, you know, so healing for them. Is there such a thing as an evil spirit? You skipped. Um, I haven't answered the suicide question. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Everybody who physically passes goes to the spirit world. It doesn't matter if you take your own life, if you are killed quickly, nobody gets left behind. Nobody stays here because they have unfinished business because they're not ready to go because other people aren't ready to go or because they take their own life. They go to the same healing spirit world. They are able to connect with us the same as everyone else. They get healing and support. That doesn't mean that suicide is at all encouraged or recommended. It is not the way out, it is not a good thing. Just because you end up on the other side, there's often regret, apologies, remorse about the pain that they cause other people. But they're not in limbo. They're not thrown back into this lifetime to learn the lessons they didn't learn. They're in a healing, supportive spirit world, just like anyone else. I know this from firsthand experience. A close friend of mine took his life and he has come through more often than sometimes it seems like everyone else put together for me. He comes through loving, supportive, with humor and laughter, and he's a close friend on the other side, and he took his life. And I've connected with hundreds of people in spirit who took their own life. And the reason I hear from more of them is because their loved ones behind need to hear from them more than people who have a grandparent who passed from a heart attack or something like that, because the people left behind are in such need. So the spirit people who've taken their own lives 
come through more often to meet the need of the people to say, I'm sorry, it wasn't your fault. There was nothing you can do. I was loved. I was supportive and maybe give an idea of why they did it. But almost always when I connected with them, it's, it wasn't your fault. There was nothing you can do. They want their loved ones to be happy. They want them to move on, let go, think of them with the good times, with the laughter and move on. I would imagine that I've been told that there are healing um, places on the other side. I would imagine the suicide probably gets a lot of healing on the yeah. other side. Everybody who, anybody who needs any healing on the other side gets it. Gets it. Yep. Bravo for that, really. Um, and what about evil spirits, Sharon? Okay. I don't believe in evil spirits. I don't believe in evil. You don't think anyone's coming through who's not a nice person on a Ouija board or anything like that? Ouija boards have bad PR. And so, and I've never used one. So I wouldn't recommend them just because they have negative connotations. And if people think, oh, Ouija boards are going to have evil spirits and you use your imagination and you can draw towards yourself any kind of scary thing, just not a great idea. But as for evil spirits, I don't believe in Satan, demons, entities, evil spirits. People who do terrible things when they're here, people who take, who kill, rape, and do awful things while they're here, they don't become Mother Teresa when they go to the spirit world, but they don't become evil spirits. They go to the spirit world and they have to have a life review. They have to look at the results of their actions. There's remorse, there's work, there's involvement of their soul. They're not an evil spirit. They have no, no one in the spirit world has any control over any of us. They can't say or do anything. They can't attach to people or possess them. Some of the reasons people might think someone is an evil spirit might be because when somebody say somebody was a cranky old, maybe even nasty old man or the nasty old woman, they go in the spirit world. If you connect with them, they're going to show the personality they had when they were be nasty. They have to come through presenting as like I was this nasty old person. If everybody came through and said, and they, here's the medium, I have a being of love here. I have another being of light and love. You're not going to know who they were. So they come through and they present that nasty personality. And you can say, I have someone and I'm aware that they had made poor decisions. They treated people poorly and there's remorse. There might be apologies, but they're not an evil spirit. And Hollywood is Hollywood. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what do you think of ghosts? Because Hollywood is very big on ghosts. <laughs> that's because they, you make a lot of money. Ghosts, I don't believe in ghosts. Ghosts are supposed to be spirits who are stuck. They're not in the spirit world to hear. They're earthbound. There is no earthbound. This is my opinion, of course. No earthbound spirits. Nobody that needs help crossing over. You physically pass. You go to the spirit world. People might think they're ghosts because they don't realize that people can be in the spirit world with their loved ones doing their growth and we might still see, hear and feel them. If people don't know that mediumship is a thing and that we can be aware of spirit people and they see one, feel one or smell their perfume or their smoke, they might think it's a ghost. And there's a whole lot of other explanations for hauntings and why people would think that. And I can explain evil, you know, well, we don't have all- I would love to hear your explanation for hauntings and all that. That's really fascinating, you know? Because uh, people will say they go to a cemetery and they feel uh, all these spirits around and, and their haunted houses and all that kind of thing. There's literally, I think if you go to New Orleans, there's actually a house or a place in New Orleans where they say it's that it's haunted and they provide proof. You don't believe in any of that. The quick, the quick explanation is that I believe in residual energy and energetic imprints so that you walk into a room where two people have been fighting. They've been fighting. You walk into the room. Can you feel something when you get there? You walk in and it's like, ooh, it doesn't feel good, does it? No. You're aware of that? Well, think of a place where there have been a lot of death or suicides or battle or murder or trauma it leaves an energetic imprint. 
embodied people like us go there and you feed all your energy into this energetic imprint and you build it up so you get this place that feels, you know, haunted or all this energy. And then there are houses where things move and all that. Phenomenon happens. There is there are examples of things moving around and there's energy and things, but it's not spirit people trapped there. It's not exact, it's not actually a spirit person. They're doing it. It's energy, it's spirit people using our energy, kinesthetic energy to move things, put lights on and off to make us aware of their presence, but it's not like they're here or they're stuck here. Right. I can totally understand that. After my husband passed for three months, every Monday night for 10 minutes, the um, Monday night football turn, flipped on on this TV I had and flipped off. I don't know how he did that. There was no remote control, nothing. And he was playing with the energy. In, That's in awesome. The they can do that. They can play with energy, but they can't take you over they're not really there. They're not stuck. They're not ghosts, but they can definitely. I've had plenty of experiences where my people, the, my friend who, the one I've heard from the most, he can play with energy. He's done things to make me aware of him. He plays with my computer. He did some computer programming and he's done some kind of obvious things technologically as far as I think it's That's very cool. I hope he saves you money and fixes stuff for you. Um, it doesn't not, not quite like that. Not it's quite like that. Just more of doing something that's like, okay, that must be him. Yeah. With the message or something. So let me ask you how you handle the different types of skeptics. Cause you've got to run into people who say, I don't care what you're doing. I think you're crazy. And this is this, this it's baloney and all that. And I was one of them once. Uh -huh. uh, I don't worry about the skeptics. I don't need to engage. It's not my job to prove anything to anybody. I have family people and some friends who don't believe it's awkward. If it's somebody who's close to you in some way, and they just don't have that belief system because belief system, because that leaves them. I mean, the alternatives are I'm lying and people know I, I'm not lying or that I'm crazy, right? that they're less likely to know that I'm not crazy or that I'm, and even worse, or that I'm making it up or something. So it's awkward, but don't, uh, it's not a problem. So, and then the skeptics aren't likely to come as a client because if they're skeptic, why bother? So the people in my life who don't believe in it, they just, it's kind of just like choosing to have different beliefs. And the people who do come to, come to a medium, if they're at least somewhat open-minded, they're likely to have an experience and no longer be a skeptic. Right. People well, I always say I always say they'll find out when they cross over anyway. <laughs> a lot of women will bring their husband or their boyfriend or somebody to a group reading, and very often it's the husband spirit people will that'll that'll come through first. They're like, oh, and then it's kind of amazing. <laughs> We had a skeptic come to a gift, a guest circle years ago, like eight years ago, one of my, my in-person circle, we had guests and uh, one guy who'd been there before brought a friend who was a skeptic. He got most of the readings. It's he like they had to let him know. Unbelievable, evidential, strong readings. He didn't come back. His mind was blown, but there was no way he could not know that that happened. Wow. So now everybody wants to get in touch with you. So how about telling us about your medium companion journal, your online medium mentorship and the online classes that you offer? Okay. So first of all, here's the book. This is the choosing to a medium book. And this is the journal. Okay. And so the book and the journal first, you know all about the book. The journal is a place where you can record your progress if you're really developing. The book is appropriate for anybody who's just interested in mediumship, wants to know about it. Oh yeah, it's fascinating. You, you provide so much information about what it's about and everything. It's really interesting just to read, even if you're curious about. The journal is for those who really wanna do this. 
and it's got prompts and you know what have I experienced what is my experience with that and it's a place to document 50 free 50 practice readings your connections with your spirit guides your hopes your fears your thoughts so when I was doing this and I did my 118 free readings I have them in different notebooks probably six different notebooks Later on, I started doing them on the computer, notes on the computer. It's a mess. It's all over the place. So it gives you a place kind of like if you're losing weight and it, you want to track your weight and what you eat and what you drink and your exercise, and it keeps you on track. So the companion journal can keep you on track. You write down, you did a reading and what you got, and you have this validation. And then later on, it's like, oh, I can't do this. You look back, it's like, oh, I guess I can so that's the companion journal. The, um, my website is SharonFarber.net. So and we're spelling it, everyone. S-H-A-R-O-N-F-A-R-B-E-R. SharonFarber.net. You just have to remember the .net part. So SharonFarber.net. And there you can find everything about the book, ordering the book, mentorship, classes, circles. So I've been doing tons of online classes in the past year for obvious reading reasons. So I teach a five hour Zoom online class in five hours. Right now it's still $68. This is uh, March of 2021. And it's not gonna stay that way forever because it's been that way for, for years now. Well, actually it used to be $69 and my daughter had a problem with the class being $69 and I changed it to $68. <laughs> Probably didn't need to give you that information. I, I, I got it. <laughs> <That's cute. laughs> but anyway, so the five-hour class is limited to 10 people and it's the foundation of mediumship. What is it and what isn't it and how to do it and step-by-step step, and then the last 90 minutes to two hours is everybody having a chance to give a reading and I can hold your hand and I have people who've never connected with spirit people by the end of the five hour, five hour class have their first connection and they're wow. glowing oh my god I did it so there's that I teach five classes circle classes five 90 minute classes a week they're mostly full but there's there are people who leave and then there are occasional openings. I might add another one. I just added the fifth one, March 1st. And as of now, it's full. But if you really want to get in, you can probably squeeze in. So there's circles and beginner classes. And what I like to do is weekend classes, two-day classes, three-day classes. And when we can get out and about, I'll be doing that again. I've got one in Canada that was rescheduled three times and now we're aiming for October of this year. And yes, we, we, it was spring and then it was fall and then there's just COVID and COVID. And here's, this is exciting. I like to go to places that have beaches, oceans and mountains and I'm willing to travel. So if people wanna host me to teach once we can to teach a class in their area. This has worked really well. That's exciting. That's you wonderful. Can, you have to have the host and I can work together to promote it. And if, if you can get a dozen people together who want to do it, especially if it's somewhere nice, like by an ocean or the mountains, a nice pretty desert or something, I'll come out and I teach a two, three, four, even a five day class and the host takes it for free and we work it out. So I'm willing to travel and I find that I'm kind of passionate about teaching. I think that's very cool. You haven't noticed. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I don't blame you. I mean, why not? I mean, Arizona or Florida or by the oceans or whatever. Uh, I can really see Hawaii, that. Hawaii, Colorado. Yeah. Oh, Hawaii definitely sounds, yeah. I have, I have students in my circle who are in Hawaii and California and one of them, we've already mentioned it. So just have to be able to go out there. So not all the time, but I'll do some. That's great. Uh, I guess people can understand by now how mediumship, it would be so he healing for all of us because it gives you the opportunity to not be so afraid of death and to move on. But has, does it also help those on the other side, how does it do that? And I actually have a little story about that too, but I'd like to hear about that from you. Okay. 
Well, like, like Irene just said, we know that it's healing for us for a number of reasons, but people on the other side, they may have unresolved issues also. They're in a place of love and healing, but the spirit part of them that was connected to us can be thrilled when they finally have an opportunity to connect with a loved one and say, I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I knew you were there, even though you weren't. I mean, it was enough that you were there with me every day on the phone. I knew you were holding my hand, like say somebody who was responsible, somebody who was unresponsive might come through and say, I knew you were there. I know you were holding my hand. So they are evolving as a soul on the other side. And sometimes the opportunity to resolve a relationship can be beautifully healing for them also, lightning healing and make them happy, happier on the other side also. Absolutely. It's not just about us. Yeah, I mean, I just want everyone to know, like I had that experience. I had a, a father who was very wounded in this lifetime and he was abusive and I never wanted, after my husband passed, I did not want to hear from my father at all. I never asked for him. And I always just wanted to hear from my husband or whoever. And lo and behold, when I would see mediums, my father would start coming through. And the message was, I was a bully. I was mean. I am so sorry. I'm learning now that I'm on the other side and I'm around you and I'm learning. And he, would, he always would apologize. And I would say to people, you have proof of survival. I never, I was never looking for him. And that was really amazing. And then he would come through with evidence about what he was witnessing in my life and all of that kind of thing. And, and it really helped me to forgive him, to let it go. He's healing and, and it helped me too. So uh, that's, a, that's a real perk to me of mediumship. Uh, we've already talked about SharonFarber.net. And you have a special offer today for members of our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience? Yes, for people, viewers who watch this podcast, I'm offering 10% off my private medium, private mediumship readings, half an hour, 45 minute readings, and uh, one hour reading for two. So 10% off any of them. I'm going, there should be on your podcast, there should be a special link that will take you to a place on my website that other people can't see where you can purchase readings at 10% off. We'll make sure that people can see that when, when, they, when we release the, this wonderful interview we'll, and we'll work together on that, everybody. Mm -hmm. And Sharon, what is your tip for finding joy in life? My tip for finding joy is to be grateful and appreciate what you have. I have an abundance of things to be grateful for. So it's easy for me. But even if you don't have tons of things, there could be just the smell of the fresh air or a smile or a connection. So I'm very, I do a, grat, a gratitude list at night in my head before I go to bed. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I count my blessings and I choose I choose joy. I chose to be a medium. So what I suggest to people whenever possible, choose to be happy, choose to smile. If you smile, it changes the energy neurologically and makes you feel better. So try as much as possible to thrive instead of survive. Choose joy, make joy a priority as opposed to I got to do this. I've got to work. I got to take care of other people. Consider that being joyful and peaceful is beneficial for you and everybody else. Take care of yourself first, make yourself happy, bring yourself joy and thrive. Do the and healing energy. you need to do, right? Also, yeah. you're automatically going to bring more joy, healing and help to other people. So be the light you want. Oh, that's so cliche, but be the light you want to spread. Be, feel the joy you want to share to other people pass it forward start with yourself that's great Sharon this has been a wonderful interview and your information is so enticing and interesting I know people are going to want to read your book and some of them are probably thinking maybe they'd like to learn mediumship 
So everyone, I recommend choosing to be a medium, experience and share the healing wonder of spirit communication because it will enlighten, there it is, because it will lighten you if you're interested in learning about mediumship and it will also educate and transform anyone seeking to become a medium. I have no doubt that many in our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience are now inspired to read your book and to learn more and develop their mediumship skills. Thank you, Sharon, so much. And here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I like to say, to be continued. Many blessings. And bye for now. Hey, everyone. Once again, Irene here, because after we kind of signed off, Sharon and I were chatting and she told me that she has a YouTube channel. Well, we can't let this interview go on without finding out about her YouTube channel. So Sharon, go ahead. Let us know all about it. You can find the channel by looking for Sharon Farber Medium. And I have a series of maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 videos that are called everything you need to know about mediumship. And so there's, what is it, how to do it? The best one I've done recently, somewhat recently is called Seven Steps to Giving a Mediumship Reading. And there's all kinds of ones. So if you want to see me, there's also interviews. This, I don't know if this will be here, but anyway, if you want to hear me talk about mediumship, free YouTube series, go check out Sharon Farber Medium. That's fabulous. I'm going to say it again. Sharon Farber Medium. Everyone, make sure you get on and enjoy that. Great. Thank you, Sharon, so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm.